Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about tips for strip tillage on today's program. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And of course, you can always send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Man, I've had a fun day today. We had a busload of high school students heading up to... Uh, uh, some FFA com- competitions not too far away from here that happen to stop through and just talking to small town rural kids about what kind of opportunities there are for them. And it's exciting. They're heading up to, to my alma mater, South Dakota State University, and uh, just looking at, at things on campus there. It's the first school with a four-year precision ag degree which is really cool. But, um, you know, many of these folks were really interested in livestock and some of the things going on in that industry is pretty neat as well. One of the discussions that we got into was just about how it all comes back to the soil, the nutrition that we're going to put into animals, the nutrition that ultimately ends up in humans. Um, If we feed the soil right, if we feed all those living microbes in the soil, then that soil is going to feed the plants right, the plants are going to feed the animals right, and so forth. So uh, just just kind of a big deal. And I remember being a kid, I didn't tie all that stuff together. I didn't really figure out how big some things were. I didn't really understand that I had such great opportunity growing up in America that, that I really did. And I think the same thing here, just talking to some of their advisors, they're like, man, these kids don't even, don't even get it yet. How, how much opportunity they've got in front of them. And I think about just being in agriculture, almost every company that I know in agriculture is hiring, is looking for good people. And who are they looking for? They're looking for those small town rural kids if they can find them uh, with the work ethic and the background and those kinds of things. Because uh, just growing up in in a rural community gives you a lot of advantages, I think, that, that you don't understand. Okay, well, one of the things uh, uh, that we're talking about today here with Strip Till, you will see as you drive through those, those rural areas. When we started doing Strip Till on our farm, I remember as... Brian and I traveled around the country speaking at, at different events and we'd talk about, okay, what are you guys doing on your farm? I would say, well, we're just, we've been doing strip tillage now for a little while. And, and people would say, oh, that doesn't work in our area. Oh, you can't do that in our soils and these types of things, or you can't do it in our crop rotation. That's really changed <laughs> over the last 15 years or so that we've been doing this. And now almost everywhere we go, we run into people that say, yeah, they used to tell us we couldn't but we can and we're doing it and we're being successful. Strip till does look a little bit different depending on where you're at and and what kind of soils you have, what your climate is for sure. No doubt about that. But uh, when, when you think about strip till, there are a few tips that are pretty common to all soils. And that's some of the stuff that we want to touch on today. If you have questions, if you want to add your knowledge on strip till, uh, you sure can. Again, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. So for our farm, we like to do it in the fall, if at all possible. And that for a lot of reasons. Normally, soil is fit. Normally, we've got time. We've got labor. Um, we can put on fertility like P and K. There's just a lot of benefits to us. Uh, we can start dealing with some of the residue. We can even make a good seed bed for the spring planting. Just a lot of advantages for us then. In the spring, man, we just don't have time, it seems like. And I know sometimes the fall can go fast too, but 
the spring, we we want to get out there and get planting. Now we got to get a pre-emerge herbicide on, and hopefully, a lot of the snow will be gone by this time next week, and we'll be out in fields putting on pre-emerge herbicides. Uh, we can do that faster, and we can get out ahead of crop insurance dates, those kinds of things, and get that done. And you say, well, why can't you do strip till earlier? For the most part, our ground is frozen until we plant, especially if you start getting in the ground a few inches. So what a lot of folks will do here in the north when they're doing spring strip till is they'll just use coulters, they won't use shanks, and they'll stay relatively shallow. So they'll mainly focus on the seed bed prep and probably some fertility placement too, but not going deeper than probably four inches, maybe six at the deep end, but for the most part, there's going to be frost down there or slimy, wet soil. We don't want to make a mess. Now, if you're in a situation where you can plant later or your soils warm up earlier, then then it's a whole different deal. Uh, for example, where we're doing silage corn, we really aren't worried about planting on the first date possible. In fact, we might plant a month later because when it's warmer, we get more elongation out of our stalks and we get more tonnage. So in that case, if we had a field that we were going to go to silage corn, we could do spring strips. If we if we got all the bean planting done and the other corn planting done, uh, we'd, we'd have time to do that. So that, that uh, amount of time that you have available with your labor, that's going to be a big factor for a spring strip till. For, for us, the other thing we worry about is just compaction. And if we're going to carry fertility at the same time, it just gives us more chance that we could pack some things in. And in the spring, we know we're going to have frost coming out of the ground. So we know there's a potential there for conditions to be wet and sticky. This year, with all the snow that we've got to melt, we know it's going to be wet and sticky out there at least for a few weeks. So that that's something that we're going to have to watch. So we can't really count on on our farm spring strip till to work each year. So we like to try and do as much as we can in the fall. For us, the the big things with strip till, residue management, but fertility placement is probably our number one thing. If we can put fertility out there, especially P and K that don't move very well in soil, this is our chance to get them down six inches, eight inches, maybe even deeper in the soil. And by doing that, we just sped up the process that it would take. I mean, you aren't going to move phosphorus with a surface application. You're going to move that 10 inches down in your lifetime in medium to heavy soils. You just aren't. So it's it's a good way to do that. Plus, it protects us if we ever do have any erosion, whether it's wind or rain. We're not going to lose all that fertility like you would if it was left on top of the soil. So lots of advantages, lots of things you may like about strip till. It definitely takes time, though. It's not cheap to buy the equipment. Uh, there's some drawbacks, too. So we'll talk about that on today's program. Also, take your questions once again at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about strip tillage. If you've got questions, our phone lines are open 844-44-AG-PHD or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Got our friend Dave Sender on right now with Environmental Tillage Systems. Talk a little bit about this. Dave, how's it going? Good, Darren. How are you doing today? Pretty good. All right. I know it's a different conversation when we're talking about strip till in the fall versus strip till in the spring, but it might be a little while for out in some of these fields this year. And I know some guys had some challenges with fertility and whatnot last year or, or just dealing with some of the residue out there and, and are looking at spring strip till. What are some of your tips that you've got heading into this spring? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the easy low-hanging low fruit, as they say, would be to make sure your equipment's ready to, to start with. Um, you know, it seems like we're going to have a pretty long, drawn-out uh, spring here, to state the obvious. So it'd be a, a wise decision to take that time and, and make sure your rigs are ready to go uh, when it finally does get, get to be fit. But um, hey, hey you know, Dave, just to, the, just to expand on that, what are some of the common okay. wearable parts as we talk about that? If if you're taking one last look at the strip-toe rig here before it's go time, what are some of the things that you say, you know what, this probably needs to get dealt with a little more often than guys are doing? Sure. So, you know, obviously to, to some degree it's going to be equipment specific, but, uh, you know, whether you're, you're, you know, you're running the fertilizer system or not, but some of the the, the ones you, you pay attention to would, of course, be things like your blades. Um, you know, are they are they the size you want or, or are they nicked up from the fall before maybe or they they maybe not the size you want or, you, you know, because that can impact, you know, the, the depths you get and in, in the overall uh, structure of that strip. Um, things like um, fertilizer hoses and things like that, you know, they, have they blown through? Have they gotten thin in areas? Are they going to last you throughout the spring? Um, other things like, uh, you know, specific to our equipment would be things like your, 
you know, your fertilizer fan, is that functioning? Um, your air compressor, has that been serviced? Did you change the oil in it? Is that, you know, operating the way it should? And even your your fertilizer drive systems, are, are, you know, are the chains lubed up? Have you, you know, have you greased the bearings? Things like that. Just, again, these little things that could really, uh, you know, impede your, your progress and success, especially when we're going to be working with such a, with such a tight time frame. Yeah, it sure could be this year. Or it might be the other thing, Dave. It might be, you know what? I've only got a couple of fields that are ready to go and dry it out. So maybe I only got two <laughs> fields I can go that. and I can take my time working on those because the rest is going to be another week. There is that. Yeah, I was actually out driving quite a bit here this morning, uh, out seeing some customers, and and uh, it's going to be a ways to go yet. But um, one thing I think we might be seeing some this spring is some some freshening and maybe hitting some strips you know, to touch on what you said about the fertility side of things, um, perhaps, you know, perhaps you didn't get the fertility down you wanted. Maybe you want to do a little more. Um, maybe with how much snow a lot of areas, at least in the areas that I work in, uh, you know, accumulated throughout the winter, um, perhaps you're going to go out and, and maybe refresh in those strips, put a little nitrogen down. Um, you know, so again, there's a lot of considerations, you know, heading into spring uh, this year that I think maybe we don't have to contend with as much as we had in previous years. I think we've got a pretty good feel of how big we need that berm to be if we do it in the fall because we know it's going to settle out a little bit. How about in the spring? If you're out and you say, I'm just going to be a few days ahead of my planter, are you building much of a berm in that situation? Yeah, great question. So, it it it's really going to be dependent on a, on a couple things primarily. Uh, one would be your soil type. Uh, secondly, would be uh, what what the weather forecast looks like. So typically on lighter ground, and I work with some growers that work on some really really sandy grounds, and I work with growers on really heavy ground. But the sandy grounds, uh, they're typically always running rolling baskets. They're they're firming up that strip. Uh, to help retain that moisture. Um, so from a berm height, you know, they might be only looking at, you know, with a culture system, uh, a berm height of only, you know, two, more, no more than three inches. Um, but on the flip side of that, on the heavier ground, especially if it's a, if it's a wet spring, they're going to maybe get that berm up a little bit higher, maybe in that three to four inch range. Um, and then how fast you're coming back with that planter is going to really going to be dictated also by not only what you're putting on for fertility, but also again what Mother Nature's you know throwing at you. Are they is it going to rain in the near future, or are you going to have a you know a few days of some some warmer, windier weather? Uh, so those are all things you have to take into consideration when you're when you're kind of planning and timing all of that out. I always think about stalks. I think about corn stalks, and I think, man, if they're wet and it's cold and we're getting a lot of cloudy days, it's tough getting through those things. But if we luck out and we have some heat and sunshine, uh, it, it might be easy for us. So I, I just think there's just constant adjustments with any kind of tillage pass you make in the spring. Absolutely. And I know, you know, speaking to, you know, specifically with our equipment, you know, having the ability to, you know, in our case, with everything being through through uh, pneumatic downforce, having the ability to to just simply turn a you know turn a knob in the cab where you can adjust that air pressure and and control you know ninety five percent of what you're going to control for depth just by sitting in the cab. So whether it's wetter or you maybe have a subsoil you don't want to bring out, you're going to run a little shallower. 
Um, and even down to your row cleaners, um, your row cleaners, maybe you're going to be more aggressive. Maybe you're going to be less aggressive, kind of going back to what you're saying with residue and, and how you're handling that residue. Um, you know, for us, a big, uh, a big, uh, change or a big addition to our product line that I, I really like working with. And I got a lot of exposure to it last spring is having the uh, pneumatic cylinder on that, on that roll cleaner. So you, you can, and it comes in really handy when you're refreshing strips as you can actually adjust the height of that, that roll cleaner. So if you have fall strips and, and, and maybe some stocks blew over throughout the winter, you can really just really lightly feather, as I like to say, just kind of really lightly feather away that, that residue that's maybe come across that strip. Um, so personally, I've, I've been really pleased with what I've seen in, in that regard. All right, talk to us a little about cover crops too. So we get, I, I don't know, of all the strip till questions, we get a lot about, okay, I'm using cover crops, I'm doing strip tillage, so I'm just going to till where that crop is going to be. Uh, how is that working? Are you seeing a lot of guys doing that or, or even wanting to seed the covers as they're going out with the strip till rig? Yeah, so from a seeding standpoint, you know, typically we still see that only in the fall. Um, you know, any type of interseeding that's happening you know, maybe at time of side dress or something like that is, you know, really doesn't involve our equipment per se. But when it comes to the the running and cover crops, we'll say it's cover crops that were seeded last fall, and you're going to be running in those cover crops this spring, uh, it really runs the gamut as far as what you can do. Um, how a person... Uh, approaches those cover crops um, again is a lot of times dictated by by what the weather's throwing at us you know we've had years in the past where it's been kind of a, a long drawn out spring where it's been pretty wet and cold uh, you know farmers had gone out and tried to do termination passes on, on rye in some cases even you know a couple passes but it was too cold too wet where, where the, the, the covering really never terminated and, and they end up running green you know and, and then doing a, a a burn down or a termination pass after the fact. Um, and then of course, some do it ahead of time. Uh, I guess the silver lining to that is you, you have that flexibility. Um, and again, this is kind of specific to the equipment, but with a culture type system, um, you have the ability to run in covers that are maybe a couple inches tall and you get later in the season, we've, we've got growers that will run through, you know, in, in, in most typically rye that is, you know, literally 20 to 24 inches tall that's coming up and, and hitting hitting the toolbar as they're running into it. Um, so, again, a lot of flexibility. And as always, it's it's the, the old, uh, it depends. It, it always depends <laughs> on, well, on that's, different variables. That's why we're talking about it, Dave. There's just so many things going on when it comes to strip tillage. There's a lot of... Uh, experience that can really help you out and certainly talking with other growers that have been doing it for a while. Dave, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on once again. We'll talk to you again down the road. You bet. Yep. Have a great day. We'll talk more about strip till right after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Get what you spray for, results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking strip tillage on the show, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Minnesota. Got Levi on. Doesn't want to talk stri- strip till. Wants to talk about tar spot. Levi, what are you thinking? Uh I just wanted to know what your thoughts on tar spot in southeast Minnesota are and, like, what you're telling uh, your consumers and everything like that. And uh, I just want to say thank you for the tour that we just had 20 minutes ago. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad you guys could come through. You know, tar spot is, uh, boy, you guys are in ground zero in southeast Minnesota. There's a lot of farmers there that have been impacted by tar spot. Last year we saw yield damage as bad as 100 bushels per acre of loss. So it's certainly something to be concerned about. And, you know, the challenge is we don't really have great 
hybrid tolerance yet where you can just say, oh, I'll just pick a different corn hybrid and, and I'll take care of most of the problem. There's a little difference, but I, I'd say uh, what we're going to see five years from now is going to be so much better than what there is today. So we really have to worry about, okay, how do we keep that plant healthy all through the season? We have been starting with a, a planting time application of Zyway fungicide that does translocate through the plant. It's not going to completely stop tar spot, but it's labeled for suppression. And that's going to get you off to a good start. And then for us, we're recommending that you go back out probably around five foot tall corn with the first treatment of fungicide. And then again, uh, when you get around tassels. So it's going to be multiple fungicide applications and try to find the best hybrid you can. But uh, at this point, that and crop rotation are your best tools. Hey, thank you very much for answering that question. You bet. Thanks, Levi. I really appreciate it and hope to see you guys again down the road. Uh, let's head over to Western Illinois. Got our friend Matt Swanson on right now. Uh, also works with the Extreme Ag Group. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing just fine, Darren. How are you? Good. All right. We just had the tar spot question come in, and I was thinking, huh, our next guest might might be preparing for that as well. What do you do for tar spot? What's what's your preparation? Yeah. So uh, this this is the I guess the third year has been potential. We had it two years ago, pretty good. Last year, not too bad. Um, we're going to move to kind of a three-way um, program on tar spot. We're going to go ahead and use uh, Zyway on quite a few acres uh, as an initial, and then we're going to do an early fungicide application and then our standard kind of R1 application. Um, and we've targeted a couple of those to be kind of tar spot-centric. Um, and then, of course, one of those passes is... is just to keep stuff healthy, so sure. we're gonna we're gonna kind of stick with our our same plan of attack on a lot of diseases, which is make sure you get the fertility right for healthy plants, and then do some preventive you know preventative maintenance if you can. So, you know, I'm I'm amazed by that when we see areas that tar spot has been a problem and and you got farms like like yourself where all right i'm going after it i'm taking two or three shots at this thing to make sure we can keep it out and you got fields across the road that you got growers saying well i hope it doesn't hit this year i'm just not going to do anything and uh i i'm surprised by that when when you see losses as bad as 50 or even 100 bushels in some cases yeah and i think I think a lot of that is just is kind of grower either they haven't experienced it in the past or maybe they think it's overblown or or this and that and and even if we didn't have tar spot we would make some of those same applications but we have changed some products around <coughs> to uh to make sure that tar spots included because of the potential sure, sure. Uh, especially with the kind of crop you know pricing we're looking at i we've got a substantial amount priced forward and, and grow a lot of ip stuff so you know, that's pretty good money when yeah. you add everything together. Yeah, you've got $2,000 an acre potential on some of that ground that you guys are farming with uh, the practices that you're using with the fertility that you've been working on and, and all the things you're doing to get high yield. Absolutely, and that's, and that's kind of, and that's why we're doing it. So in the grand scheme of things, we're not spending that much money when you talk about the the potential returns. All right, talk to us about strip-till a little bit. How much of that do you guys do, and, and why do you do it? Yeah, we still do some. Uh, we used to be almost 100% strip-till on corn. We've moved to some no-till on corn, but um, the strip-till for us is a way to 
kind of work with the acres that we haven't earned the right to no-till on and you know a lot of those timber soils and things like that that are tougher and you know false trip till especially gives us a kind of a warmer drier type seed bed in the spring especially on soils that they generally don't dry well at all um, and sometimes take much longer than than others so strip till is a way for us to work with those soils and and kind of work towards reduced tillage without you know, taking a big profitability hit on fields that aren't ready for that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, you have long-term goals for what you're doing in fields, and and I, I'm sure there's fields that you own and fields that you don't own, and that probably changes things a little bit, or fields that are closer to home and some that are farther away or some that really have tough challenges getting that drainage improvement made. Uh, when when you're doing the strip till, you mentioned drying out faster in the spring, in those strips at least, and and I, I look at it too as leaving a base in between those strips that, that I can drive on as well that's firm that's right and that's and that's 100 percent true and that's why we like we like the no-till but the, but the reality is with the with a good crop especially of, of corn and on tougher soils that don't have the biological activity you're just not going to process that residue and the best way to be able to get in to the springtime and get in those fields timely is to do something and i don't want to do full with tillage and and so strip till kind of gives us the the benefits of both worlds and and honestly even on our on our acres that are better uh it helps with our nutrient placement and and working through those kind of things where we're working at maintaining soil levels but feeding the plant you know one thing that i was just reading today and and this is uh uh, somebody that's in regenerative ag, and they said one of the things they've noticed about building topsoil is it's not necessarily adding more inches of topsoil on the top, but taking some of that subsoil and converting that into topsoil by using strip till, using some sort of deep type of tillage that, that brings more oxygen, brings more nutrients down deep, and that it just feeds the soil microbes, and they're the ones that are making the, the topsoil anyway. I, I like it. With the nutrient placement, how deep do you go? Do you do some stuff down eight, ten inches, or even deeper? Yeah, so we've done some some you know nitrogen. We're looking at a couple other nutrients placed deeper. And, and the article that you read, I think, is something that I would would definitely agree with. When you grow roots, the deeper you can grow roots, the better the soil environment's going to be, right? So it's no different than the best way to raise a good crop is to have a good crop the year before. You know, uh, you improve soil structure with rooting and in all kinds of things so the deeper you can drive roots in and strip till is certainly part of that both with the tillage aspect and the nutrition um, the deeper you can drive roots the better the soil conditions are going to be deeper in the profile now you mentioned just uh strip till could mean you get a little drier base to plant into what is your moisture situation like heading into this spring in western illinois uh we're honestly pretty good we dried out pretty hard uh towards the end of the year last year um our, our sand especially along the river took a pretty took a pretty good hit um sand and no rain under no irrigation is a problem and and our beans suffered for that um but right now we're okay uh i wouldn't turn down any rain but um we're certainly not dry either 
Now, a lot of things to think about heading into this spring, and uh, we're talking with Matt Swanson. He works with the Extreme Ag Group and farms uh, a little ways east of us, just gets into some uh, pretty fantastic yield environments and also, like you say, some dry land sand <laughs> that that may not always yeah. be the best environment. So get a little best of, or a little bit of both worlds there. Hey, Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, and good luck heading into the spring. Great talking to you, Darren. Good luck. You bet. Talking about strip tillage on today's program, uh, and if you caught it there, Matt was saying used to be 100% strip till. Now they're doing some no-till as well. Uh, not saying strip till is the best thing for every piece of ground, but it does give you some alternatives of, of what you can do if you don't want to do conventional tillage, but not quite ready to do no-till either. Uh, we'll talk more about strip till. We'll also take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. 
Put a champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash U.S. crop. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Been talking about strip till on the show today, and we'll get back into that in just a little bit. But we're going to head to the phone lines. We got Owen over in Minnesota on to talk a little bit. Owen, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good. All right. So my question was: so as planting season's uh, coming up, what would you recommend to be the number one seed variety? And uh, we kind of have like a loamy soil in uh, southeastern Minnesota. So we, I was wondering, what would you recommend as the number one seed variety to plant? You know, that's a great question, and I get that kind of question a lot in, in pretty much every area uh, around the country. What's the best variety for me? Which one should be my lead product? And I don't know that anybody can really answer what is the number one product. We always recommend planting a, a few different products. So uh, on our farm, we'll plant at least a dozen different hybrids. We'll spread out our maturities a little bit, uh, anything from probably around 95-day corn to 105-day, not too much different from what you'd be planting in southern Minnesota. And I, I just look at just trying to spread my risk as much as I can. So many of these hybrids are just one or two years old. We just don't have enough experience with with them in every possible scenario. So you, you look across southern Minnesota, decent growing weather last year but it could be a drought this year or it could be excessive rain we just don't know and so we'd, we'd like to see you plant multiple hybrids and then the other thing when you look at traits if you're in southern minnesota if you're in a corn on corn situation the rootworm pressure has been so heavy the last few years we'd strongly recommend you think about using a smart stack or or some kind of below ground bt protection for corn rootworm so i, I would certainly look at that and i'd spread my risk out with maturities and also just having lots of different hybrids okay i i got you thank you very much for your time and i appreciate that yeah you Thanks, Owen. Have a great day. Yeah. Yep, you too. Bye. Let's get back to that strip-till discussion. We got our friend C.J. Parker with KSIH on right now. C.J., how you doing, man? Spring's almost here. Not. It is It is almost here, at least the calendar. The calendar. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to jinx things. I know we got more snow coming through South Dakota later this week. and uh, But you know what? This time of year, snow goes away pretty quick. And before you know it, we'll be back out in the field. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what are, what are some of the things when you talk strip tillage with farmers? I, I know we just uh, had a farmer on and he said, I'm no till on some of my ground. I'm strip till on some of my ground. What do you see as the benefits of strip till and where do you see this being a fit uh, in the rotation for growers? So some of the benefits of strip till, um, you know, especially for uh, for a farmer that's looking to, uh, to do no-till, but maybe have some of the benefits of conventional till, you know, especially if you're in a, in a colder climate and uh, getting soils to uh, to warm up in the spring is uh, is an important factor. Um, you know, strip-till gives you that ability to, uh, to to use that, you know, just work that uh, that soil where that seed's going into, but then still leave that residue um, between the rows to get it, you know, more of a, a no-till in, in between the rows. 
Sure, sure. You know, I I think about our farm. I think about some of the fields we've got that are easier to strip till in and some that are more of a challenge. We've got some terraces. And one of our biggest challenges, CJ, has been, well, we we run around there with our strip till machine around those terraces, but then trying to follow that with the planter. Do you have trouble with that? I mean, some of this equipment is big. Some of these fields are irregularly shaped. What kind of tips do you have for those guys? Including us, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's extremely important to uh, to to stay in those strips, especially especially if you're applying um, when applying fertilizer down. I know uh, where I grew up in Illinois uh, when strip till first started coming out. I remember remember my dad and uncle trying it on on our farm, and uh, at that point in time, we didn't have uh, any auto steer at all, and it was just kind of kind of free handed. And uh, and it was it turned out not to be very good. I mean, you could definitely. I remember seeing yellow corn um, through throughout the field where the where the planter rolled off and uh, got a little bit off the strip, and uh, it took a took a pretty big yield hit from it. So it uh, it is important to uh, to keep that on the row. Um, so I would I would highly recommend running the uh, the highest uh, repeatability uh, precision GPS steering system that uh that you can um and i know sometimes even on even on some of them terraces and some of that hilly ground can can can, can pose issues um and, that, and that's where we probably want to maybe um, i've seen some customers go with a uh, with a mounted planner even when they're going going strip till with a mounted strip till bar and, and a mounted planner to um to make sure they're staying staying on those roads yeah, absolutely. There's some guys in our area doing that uh, for that very reason. You're absolutely right. Uh, when it when it comes to looking for strip till equipment, obviously there's a lot of different companies that make equipment, and there's quite a bit of difference. I mean, some machines seem pretty heavy built, and others, eh, I'm I'm not so confident in those. But what other differences should we be looking for out there, CJ? Well, you know, with the uh, with the Case IH strip till unit is the the 955 tiller. And um, it kind of has a lot of that uh, that old DMI D, DNA in it, so uh, you know it's a commercial grade applicator um, that uh, that's been around for you know for for quite a few years, and um, it's, it's pretty good pretty good luck with it as well. Um, running a coulter up front um, to help slice that residue. Um, you know, we do offer an optional residue manager, but uh, I feel that the residue manager is extremely important. When you're going in the slip till, I mean, we want every every pass to uh, to complement the planter, and uh, you know the the spread of the strip till and then planting into it is just as important as, uh, as that field colorator pass ahead of the planter. So uh, we need to make sure we're making the best possible seedbed and then soil till for the for the plants to thrive. Um, we then also offer a uh, a shake or or a knife if you want to call it assembly that can do either either dry or liquid. But the uh, the final stage of, uh, of a strip till machine is uh, you know when we look at that berm builder and how you want your berms to be be made, and um, and, and we offer it as an option. Um, some some areas they uh, they may not want to have a have a berm. Um, it's more like disc kind of like a disc sealer on the uh, on the back of an anhydrous toolbar. Um, but then the final thing, and it's a, it's an option too on our 955, but uh, it's highly recommended is, is our conditioning basket. Um, we offer two different types of conditioning basket. We offer a concave conditioning basket that uh, will leave that soil more as a, more as a hump in the middle um, to allow it over winter to settle out. And then we offer a flat bar basket that works uh, works better for uh, spring strip till. 
operations. Um, but highly recommend either either one of those conditioning baskets, mainly, you know, for that uh, for that clod sizing and to help firm that um, that seed bed that seed bed up. I see guys that that pin those up or that aren't utilizing that, and it makes such a difference, especially in spring. We aren't gifted with that benefit of time. You might get away with that in the fall, not not having the conditioning basket, but in the spring, you just don't have time for those clods to break down if they aren't sized right. Yeah, absolutely. They need to be they need to be sized right, and um, and that's something that that's a case I used to look at look at all the time, whether it's our uh, our strip till machine, or um, our, our Tiger Mate fuel cultivator, or, um, or even our vertical tillage tools, we we're constantly looking and, and seeing what that what that clot sizing is, especially for uh, for a spring um, pass before the before the planter. Um, you know, because that's you know you got a lot of heavy heavy clods out there that could uh, definitely affect that uh, that row unit ride as you're uh, moving that planter across the field. I know you put a lot of content out, CJ, and and Case IH puts out a lot of great content about things like strip tillage. Where where do you go to find that? Where where have you got stuff at now? Yeah, the the best place for uh, for folks to go to to look at the uh, the Case IH strip till options would be, of course, our website at, at caseih.com. Uh, of course, uh, YouTube. You know, the uh, the Google machine is always is always a good place to uh, to look to uh, to find information. And then, um, and then also our, our local dealers as well, too. Well, thanks. We're talking with C.J. Parker here with Case IH. Uh, good luck to you heading into the spring, C.J. All right, you too. Thanks, Darren. Talking strip till, and of course, you hear a lot of our guests today have said, going into the spring, you really have to judge based on conditions, what you can do, what you should do, what you need to do, and really, that's the way strip till always is. Every field's different. There's variability out within fields. You have to get out of that equipment, take a look, and make sure you're building the berm that you want, getting the fertilizer placed exactly how you'd like. Just just a lot of common sense things with strip till. It's a little bit of work, a little bit of adjustment but it can sure do a nice job on the farm. We're going to dive into more of your questions during the Ag PhD Mailbag, coming up next. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no! Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. 
You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. The hardworking independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. listening to Ag PhD Radio and it's time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag where we take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us here in the Morton Studio radio at agphd.com. Also bring my brother Brian back into this or into this conversation I guess for the first time. Uh, Brian had a discussion about strip till today but now Andrew wants to ask a question about a little deeper tillage than that. He said, hey, guys, I live in northwestern Pennsylvania, about 15 miles off of Lake Erie, and I'm practicing no-till, but I want to add P and K to my soils without disturbing the topsoil too much. I was thinking about putting out a dry fertilizer system on my subsoiler. I'm using a zone builder and adding fertilizer that way. My reason for applying it is to prevent loss of nutrients from erosion and also to avoid the stratification problems with P or K. So I'm curious, I know you guys have done zone building deep down to like 20 inches. Well, adding nutrients with my shanks, place the fertilizer too deep. I'm going about 18 inches deep. And will I get a return, uh, but not for a long time? Just curious if I'd be better if I put coulters and just put fertilizer on at two inches. My situation is I'm going to go on after oat harvest and before a cover crop or wheat is planted. Okay, so 18 inches, putting fertilizer down, yeah, that's pretty deep. Now, it's not terrible. You can still extract that fertility, and so I don't actually have any real big issue with that. It's just that if you've been no-tilling, the odds are most of your fertility is now in the top three inches of soil. If there's a disconnect there, and we could have to go from three inches all the way down to, let's call it, 14 inches or something with very little fertility, that to me is a little bit problematic because there is a lot more air in your soil in the three to call it 12 inch range than there would be clear down at 18 inches. So what's going to happen is you won't have as much microbial life way down deep and the microbes are one of the big things that you need to help bring phosphorus into that plant. So where we've had the best success with putting stuff way down deep is 
using liquid manure where there's so much manure that it bubbles up and, and kind of fills more of that trench. So we'll have fertility almost from the soil surface clear down to 18 inches deep. So I would be much uh, more excited if, let's say, you had something. We, we, we worked with somebody one time who rigged it up so they were putting on the fertilizer about halfway down. With the yeah, you builders. can just put a little if diverter that, or a little metal. Excited. Yeah, a little, little metal flap or a diverter of some sort so a bunch of the fertility stays around six or eight inches. There's a lot of guys doing oh, that with zone builders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or deeper. Personally, my, I like 8 to 12 inches deep. That's what I really like. Uh, we try to get down 8, 10 inches deep with our strip-till machine and place fertilizer down there. But for us especially, we still have a lot of microbial activity and everything else down in that 8 to 12-inch range, but we just don't have a lot of fertility there. So the more that we can put there, the better off we are. And then the other big thing we've liked about strip till for example and i don't know exactly what your plan is after you zone build but if you're going at an angle it's a little different than if you're going straight here's what i mean by that when we strip till or zone build and plant right over the top of it we have no compaction going down to the bottom of that trench whereas if you were going at an angle across the field then whatever whatever compaction you had before you started no tilling that's probably still there and let's say there is a compaction layer at six inches or eight inches or whatever well, now some of the plants that happen to hit where you crossed that with the zone builder, they're going to be able to get down to 20 inches deep right away. The others are going to be limited. So your crop is going to be a little bit more wavy, spotty, that kind of thing. Just something for you to think about. You can do it however you want. But uh, those are just some of my thoughts. Yep. Thanks for the question, Andrew. Yeah, we do like that zone builder. It's been nice to break up deep compaction and allow some channels for our root system to get down deeper. Uh, I had mentioned earlier in the show, I was just reading an article that, that somebody that's big in regenerative ag was talking about utilizing a subsoiler similar to that, uh, just going through and allowing water to soak in and, and roots to get deeper through those channels. So it's something that has minimal impact on, on the surface. You aren't turning over the soil like you would with normal tillage. So I like that approach, right. Andrew. Good luck to you. I uh, get this one that came in from Nathan, and uh, he's over in eastern Minnesota. And I, I just he had a couple things. He had a couple questions, but first I wanted to read. He also had a side note here, and he said, "I I want to thank you guys for the wealth of knowledge that you're providing. My dad used to farm more acres, uh, but in the mid '90s had to call it quits." Uh, and like a lot of guys in our area did, and we just kept farming the the family 180-acre piece uh, in the meantime. But now I've gotten back into the farm. We're actually expanding. We just bought some more ground. Uh, I'm, I'm a young guy in my early 30s here with a couple of kids, hoping to keep this thing growing. And uh, really appreciate hearing that. That's awesome, Nathan. We're, we're rooting for you. That's a, a fantastic way to bring those kids up and, and a great way to make a living, too. Uh, his question, Brian, is on fertility. And he said eventually what they want to get to is two by two, and they're hoping maybe next year they'll have that on the planter. In the meantime, they've got a system that can put fertilizer on three-quarters of an inch away from the seed. He's wondering on corn, if he got three quarters of an inch of dirt in between the seed and the fertilizer, could he use five gallons of a low salt 624.6 along with a gallon yep. of agroliquids access and two gallons of 32%? I would feel very comfortable. Now, when, when we say this, let's, um, I, I just want to give you this disclaimer. Anything can happen 
And it's certainly still possible that some roots could get burned a little bit with that heavy dose. And it's not that heavy, but with that dose of fertilizer that's fairly close to the seed. So it's possible that there could be a tiny bit of damage there, but I would feel pretty comfortable if it was my farm and that's how much fertilizer I wanted to put out. I, I, I think I'd be okay doing that, wouldn't you, Darren? Okay, let me tell you a little more about his dirt. He said about 20% of the ground is high pH, high calcium, uh, 25 to 35 CEC. And the rest yeah, of the farm is mostly right. 13 to 20 CEC. Fine. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I wouldn't have any issue with that. I'd be fine with that. All right, then the other question he's got. So that's corn. On soybeans, we're kind of struggling with yield. And we're thinking about putting on some fertility with the planter, which I know you guys aren't big fans of. But again, if I'm three quarters of an inch away, could I get by with three or four gallons of 624.6 along with some micros? That's going to be tougher. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. Could it be done? Sure, it could. We've done stuff like that. I, I, what I'm wondering, too, is in so why was it only three quarters of an inch away from the seed? Oh, yeah. He said he wanted to eventually get to two by two, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I certainly feel much more comfortable if it was two by two. And then I'd be, I'd, I'd be just well, fine with both crops. I look at it this way. That's not enough fertilizer to raise high-yielding soybeans in southeast Minnesota. Nope. So it's just it's a portion of your plan. You can shift more yep. more dollars over into your broadcast program or, or where however else you're getting fertilizer out there. You, it, I, I don't think the difference between one gallon of 624.6 and three or four gallons is going to be much in terms of yield. I really don't. I think it's nope. going to come down to what's the rest of your program. So to me, what I'd work on, yep. Nathan, you, you guys don't farm a ton of acres yet, but you're excited about this and you want to do it long term. I'd work on soil testing and, and really digging into that. And I know he made some comments in here about uh, he was at the Neil Kinsey seminar this year and he, he's been working on uh, really understanding the soil fertility side. I think that's awesome. I, I would work on soil testing, especially this ground that you own, get to know it really well, uh, get it fixed, whatever you can with whatever dollars you got that are a little extra, you can build up some of those things you're short on. Then you don't have to worry about how much you're putting on with the planter. Yeah, we're, we're typically broadcasting to fix the soil. We're banding to feed the plant. And then we try to keep that amount of feed appropriate based on how far away we are from the seed and how low a salt product we've got. So anyway, yeah, it, not, not, certainly not bad ideas. Certainly nothing where I'm exceptionally worried. All right, last question comes in. This is from John over in Maryland. Uh, he said, guys, what do you think about making all of your content uh, in text form and putting it online so the uh, AI uh, material or AI uh, programs like ChatGPT can get a hold of it and make good recommendations for everybody? <laughs> yeah, uh, my son actually introduced the ChatGPT for me AI for basically filling in for social media things and, and stuff. It's kind of interesting. But anyway, um, yeah, we, we probably need to talk about that. It's not a bad idea. Hey, thanks, John. Really appreciate uh, you thinking about us and, and enjoying our content, too, because, yeah, you're right. Uh, there are a lot of good conversations that we have here that, that could be beneficial to others out there. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.